Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. I'm great. I am also great. I am really digging this new setup we've got going on. Yes, we've removed the table and we're currently sitting in the Delta Sky Miles Lounge. <laughs> uh, Steph has her feet up. We're very relaxed. Yeah, well, we're still not in the Delta Sky Miles Lounge, but I am kicked back with my feet up currently recording, which is pretty sweet in my opinion. It's pretty sweet. Oh man, but yeah. Right. Well, we have a fun uh, intro item. That is very true. One of our listeners, naughties, if you will, one of our naughties, Sabrina, sent me an email talking about how she made a true crime activity book with like puzzles and shit. And she sent it to us to like look at it. And it was super cool. Yeah. Uh, so like my favorite part is she does like these Sudoku puzzles with letters, like words. Yeah. The word is slaughter. It. Yeah. Which is so funny. Everything is like serial killer related or true crime related. And there's like puzzles and word searches and even coloring pages and shit, which is really cool. And at the back, if you are bad at puzzles or you're just impatient like me, there is a key, which I very much appreciated. But um, yeah, shout out to you, Sabrina, because that's super cool and super creative. Um, And if you wanted to check it out or, you know, buy it for yourself, we will leave a link down in our episode description. It's also on Amazon, I think. Yeah, it's on Amazon, too. Yeah, it's called True Crime Activity Book by Layla Booth and Sabrina Lee. So, big old shout out to you. Sweet. But I am excited because we are coming at you today with another listener's episode. And I'm super pumped because we have some pretty good stories. Yeah, they're good stories, and I'm still amazed that people write in to us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is still silly to me that people actually listen (laughs) that we're not just having a conversation in our (laughs) right you know yeah in the delta sky miles lounge yeah exactly we're very important people but (laughs) anyway yeah we've got some car crash stories we have some weird creepy stalkery stories we've got some almost kidnappings another ghost story we'll we'll just hold tight a good mix we got a good mix going i'm excited but anyway you want to just jump in yeah uh i'm first you are first i've been anointed to be first (laughs) that is true Our first story comes from a Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. He says, hey, Steph and Alex. I love this podcast so much, (laughs) I'm assuming. You guys are doing great. Here's my second story, and this one is very recent. In October, I was in a car accident, but let me tell you about that day first. It started out like any normal day. I went to first hour and so on until fifth hour. During fifth hour, our secretary goes to lunch, so she chooses a couple of trusted students to work in the office for about 30 minutes. I am one of three chosen ones. You are the chosen one. He is the chosen one. (laughs) (laughs) That makes it sound radical, Alameo. And my first hour teacher, who I absolutely love and is awesome, came to the office to sign out for lunch. She pretended to write, I hate Timothy Smith and hope he dies. Whoa. (laughs) 100% jokingly, and we have inside jokes, and then signs her name and leaves. Even even for a joke? That's a bit much. This is aggressive. (laughs) Could you imagine? So this is your teacher. Could you imagine, like, as a parent finding this without the context? It's like parent-teacher conference night, and they come in, and it just says, I hate Tim Smith, and I hope he dies. He's like, 
wow, he, I guess he really did get an F because the teacher hates him. <laughs> you just get the teacher fired. <laughs> yeah, like, this is actually just a long play by Tim to excuse his bad grades. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, uh, so during sixth hour, my Spanish teacher told me to get a grip on life because I was a bit rambunctious. God damn. Okay, again, out of proportion. <laughs> These teachers. These teachers are wildin'. They're just in the teacher conference room like, we fucking hate Tim. <laughs> Your son needs to get a grip <laughs> on life. Uh, then I was driving home, and since I live in a small town in Iowa, I was looking at all the corn damage from a giant storm that we just had. Then it all happened in the blink of an eye. I looked ahead of me and saw a car in front of me that was stopped, and I was going too fast and was too close to stop, so I swerved into the wrong lane, but I overcorrected, and I tried to re-overcorrect, and I ended up rolling my truck two and a quarter times. Oh, no. What a trip. Yeah. I crawled out of the window that was the closest to the ground, and luckily the person I swerved around was okay. She was, in fact, one of my friend's mom. She let me sit in her car while emergency services came. What I didn't know was why she stopped. Turns out there was a biker that she was slowing down for so that she could turn. I then realized that if it happened in a different way, I could have rear-ended my friend's mom at 55 miles an hour and quite possibly killed her, or if I didn't overcorrect so hard, I would have been hit by the semi in the opposite lane, and if I would have overcorrected any more, I would have hit the biker. And if I would have ended someone's life, I would have not been able to handle that. Fair. Very fair. But luckily, all that happened was I totaled my truck, had a concussion, and had a few glass shards removed from my head. I'm fine now and wasn't even sore the next day, but what I do remember was when I was still in the truck, I turned the radio off as I was laying sideways in the ditch. I had my seatbelt on. Seatbelts, kids. And a bunch of people said that someone must have been watching over me, which kind of made me mad because it takes credit away from the people who helped me. I will leave a diagram and pictures here. Love you guys and remember, just keep breathing. Him. Yeah. So much overcorrection and the right amount of correction. Yeah. And <laughs> also, you left out the detail that there was a semi in the other lane right. until a little later. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus. Man. So you could have died, your friend's mom could have died, and the biker could have died. But thankfully, none of that happened. Yeah. So it sounds like you swerved to get away from rear-ending your friend's mom, and then you tried to overcorrect back which ended up flipping your truck, which put it into the ditch on the opposite side of the road so that you didn't get run over by the semi in the oncoming lane. Yeah, I mean, flipping your car two and a quarter times sounds really terrible, but I guess considering what could have been the outcome, that's probably the best case scenario. Yeah. Which is crazy. I know, it's, uh, it's wild that... And also, like, considering what happened, like... This is incredibly lucky. You only yeah. had glass shards and a concussion. I oh, mean, concussions yeah. are no fun and no joke. No, but, for sure. You know, you could have, yeah, broken your neck. I mean, internal decapitation comes to mind, but like right. that didn't happen. Exactly. And you weren't even sore the next day, which I'm like, dude, you even have a headache? Because I, like, for most of my concussions, was had a headache for at least a week. The other thing that I focused on for this story was that. What does two and a quarter flips mean? I thought the same thing. <laughs> it was like, this is like a completely not relevant point of the story. No, actually, now that I think about it, it kind of makes sense. Because you can flip twice completely, and then you flip onto just one more side. Mm, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. 
Wow. But anyway, glad you're still alive, Tim. Glad your friend's mom is alive. I'm glad the biker's alive. And I'm glad you didn't traumatize a semi-truck driver. Yeah. <laughs> that would have sucked yeah, for them, amen. too. On to the next one, shall we? Okay, this story is actually from my mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. I know you're listening. But uh, my mom has, like, so many near-death experiences, which is kind of scary you know yeah so i just keep being like hey um can you tell me or can you write in about the time that this happened or can you write in about the time that that happened because like she just has too many stories yeah so it's a wild world out there true just like literally we should keep this in because that's <laughs> perfect timing like as the sirens a like, siren <laughs> just starts it's wild out there true we don't just live near an, a hospital <laughs> and a fire station right? yeah exactly <laughs> Anyway, all right, this is from my mom. So it says, it was a summer day and around the late 1970s and my little sister, my friend, and I decided to go on a short walk down our block. I don't remember exactly how old we were, but I'd say my friend and I were probably around nine years old and my sister was around six. So it wasn't going to be a long walk. We were only allowed to walk to the corner and back, which was about seven or eight houses in length. We lived in the kind of neighborhood that did not have much through traffic at all, the kind where we often played games like kickball or kick the can in the street with neighborhood kids, and our games were rarely interrupted by oncoming cars. So on this day, we had just come back from lunch at McDonald's and decided to take a stroll to the corner while we ate some ice pops for dessert. When we were almost six houses from home, we heard the sound of a car coming up the road in the same direction as we were walking. Then a big white car slowed to a crawl in the middle of the road directly beside us, and then stopped. We were on the sidewalk closest to the passenger side of the car. The front passenger side window was open so we could see directly in and got a look at the man driving the car. He leaned way over to get closer to the opposite window and called out to us through it. He said something like, hi, girls, where are you going? We stopped walking, but stayed on the sidewalk. I'm pretty sure that we politely said that we were just going for a walk, but I remember feeling a little nervous because the look of him gave me the creeps. I don't remember too much about his features, but I do remember he had dark, wavy slash curly hair and dark eyes. I also remember his eyes looking strange to me, very dark underneath, almost like he was wearing black eyeliner. I also noticed a woman sitting in the back seat on the passenger side with the window open as well. It didn't look like there was anyone else in the car. I remember them trying to make a little small talk, but when we didn't respond to chit chat, they just came out and said, hey, you know we have a lot of candy. Do you want some? Okay. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but like, like, that's a very creepy line. Also, come up with a better line. Yeah, do better, kidnappers. <laughs> All right, uh... When we said, no, thank you, they tried again, telling us they had so much, and it was some great candy that they were super sure we would love. They asked us to come closer so they could show it to us. By now, we were nervous enough not to stick around anymore, so we just said, no, thank you, we have to go. And then we turned around in the opposite direction and ran home. Luckily, the car drove off in the direction it was heading and didn't turn to come after us. We were so close to home anyway that we would have been there before it would have had a chance to even turn around, but we were glad they didn't attempt it. We ran into the house out of breath, shaken up and scared, but thankfully safe. Looking back and thinking about the slow moving car, its creepy driver, the woman in the back seat, and the hey little girl, do you want some candy line? I know we just got very lucky that day. 
It was fortunate that we stayed on the sidewalk a quote-unquote safe enough distance from the car and didn't give in to the curiosity or expectation that we should be more polite than we were already being. Of course, things could have easily gone very differently that day if either the driver or the woman in the back seat had gotten more aggressive and taken it a little further, gotten out of the car, or attempted to grab us forcefully. I shudder to think about what the outcome could have been if those things had happened, but they didn't. Instead, I got to grow up safely and have three little girls of my own. Hey, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) I know they think I was overprotective at times, but having experienced something like this merely six houses from my home, can you blame me? I guess not, Mom. (laughs) I guess I can't blame you. But that's insanely creepy. Yeah, I was like, this is such like a classic line. Yeah, it sounds like it's straight out of like a movie talking about like stranger danger and you know, kids being abducted. Yeah, and the woman being in the back seat. Number one, the woman. Yeah. Number two, the back seat. Like, this is not a candy-giving charity mission that you're on. Right, and not only... Because I've heard this story before, but, like, every single time, think about how the woman in the back seat is, like, super creepy. But reading it through this time, I was thinking about how extra creepy it was that she was in the back seat on the passenger side. So she yeah. is closest to the girls. So if they came over to the car to, like, get this candy... She could literally just snatch them. She was yeah. kid snatching length, you know? I wonder if they ever got anyone. I bet that works. Yeah, on I mean, it, it sounds like kids. it's probably not the first or last time they did that. No, definitely not. I mean, they had like the system down to like sit in the back seat and, you know, all this stuff. And also, they were like not, they were around 10 years old. Like, think about a 10 year old, you know, you can trick them pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, there's no other reason that that's where she's sitting in the car. Yeah, it's extremely suspicious and creepy and scary, and I'm very glad that nothing happened because yeah. I might not be here today. True. No, I was thinking, like, one when they're like, oh, like, I'm sure you would love it. And I'm like, okay, it's great. Do you have candy? Throw it out the window at me. <laughs> yeah, throw it. Toss or me peace. my favorite get-out-of-jail excuse to just remove yourself from any situation, really. I have to go poop. <laughs> so- yeah. What like what do you say to that? Foolproof. You like get excuse. like get, get like a very terrified <laughs> look on your face and just say I have to go poop. Nobody's going to question that. You just run away. Each week I speak to inspirational people. Each one of them has been on their own remarkable journey. They've all chosen to share their stories with one aim that if people can relate and get comfort from it if it can help someone. As one of my guests said, there's so much going on in the world. We should be focusing on helping one another and making each other better. Each one is a superhero, not because they have special powers, it's because in spite of what they've gone through, they keep on going. I find them remarkable. Please listen to Chataholic and hear their stories. You're on the phone with that relative that you just don't really want to talk to anymore. And they're going on and on about something that you just don't care about. And you're like, hey, I got to poop. <laughs> like, <laughs> it works. I bet it does. <laughs> you can get over how weird it is. But, That's true. <laughs> you know, yeah, you got to get, get over that hump. But <laughs> once you do, it's very useful. <laughs> very useful indeed. Well, thank you, Steph's mom. <laughs> Shout out, Ro. <laughs> Shout out, Ro. Uh, our third story uh for this week coming from caroline c hey caroline hey 
She says, hey guys, love the podcast. Here's my story as promised. Yes, Caroline sent me a DM and she said, can I send you this story about this creepy thing that happened to me? And I said, Caroline, yes, of course you can. Please send it to us on our email. No yep. today podcast at gmail.com. Of course. <laughs> and so she did. We love them. We want more of them. Send them in. Send them in, <laughs> please. Okay. I was a senior in high school at the time while my boyfriend was a freshman in college about two hours away. I went to visit him for the day at school and went back home late at night the same day. Like I mentioned, it was about a two-hour drive, one highway, and a straight shot with a few turns off the freeway exit to my house. I was about 30 minutes into my late-night drive with very few other cars on the freeway when another car pulls up right next to mine. I look over because the car is perfectly matching my speed and I can feel someone looking at me. What? You're driving. When I look over, I see a younger guy, maybe early 20s. Mind you, I'm about 17 driving the car. He locks eyes with me and sends me a creepy smile. As you're going 60 or 70 miles down the freeway? Casually, (laughs) at night with nobody else in the freeway. At first, I think he's flirting with me. Uh, Honey. (laughs) I don't think that's like a wrong thing to think, but like think about what that would mean if that actually was a move you were trying to do. Yeah. Like you speed up next to a car and just smile at them and like hold eye contact as you're driving 70 miles down the highway. (laughs) That is not a power move. That is a psycho. Yeah. I don't know when that would ever work. It would not. I don't think that that would ever work. (laughs) Imagine someone saw that and they were like, me oh my god i'm gonna get off at this exit (laughs) let's link up yeah that's not what's gonna happen here okay so she says at first i think he's flirting with me which i just think is funny yes it is fair after a few minutes of him perfectly matching my speed i notice he has not taken his eyes off me or even glanced at the road he has a death how is he driving yeah he's got a death wish is what he's got at this point i'm just creeped out so i call my boyfriend and fill him in He agrees that it's creepy, but tells me to ignore him. I try to get away from him by speeding up, but he speeds up once again to match my exact speed while continuing to stare at me. At a few different times, I slightly pump my brakes since there's no one else on the highway just to see if he'll slow down to match my speed next to me. He does. At this point, I'm very aware that I'm being followed. He then proceeds to follow me for 70 miles of open freeway while staring at me. That is psychotic. Can you imagine staring at somebody for 70 miles? Even if you're in the same car as them. <laughs> for that, like, like, what, like an hour and change? Yeah, that's horrifying. Staring at somebody for like 30 seconds is uncomfortable. I, not to make this a disgusting episode, but I would be pooping my pants. Like, yeah, this is a poop episode. No, now. no, no, we're not going to name, we're not going <laughs> to make it a poop episode. I just know that I would be shitting my pants if this was me. So yeah. this is our last time we're going to talk about poop. Okay. (laughs) You get two per episode. And that's it. That's it. Every exit, he would enthusiastically point at and put his blinker on, almost to indicate, hey, let's get off here. Each exit, I would ignore him and try to speed up to get away while staying on the phone with my boyfriend. Fast forward an hour and a half total of him following me, and it's time for me to get off at my exit. He notices me getting off at the exit and slams on his brakes to get behind my car. I think to myself, okay, this has gone a little far, but there's no way he's going to get off at my exit to follow me, right? Wrong. He got off at my exit with me and followed me. Every turn I made to get home in the dark, he made too. I was beyond scared at this point. 
Looking back, I definitely should not have gone home. I should have gone to the police station that was a mile or two away or called 911. I grew up in a very safe town, so this was not something that ever happened to me before or even crossed my mind. Stupid 17-year-old me pulled into my driveway, opened the garage door for my car, and sprinted my ass inside screaming. Oh, Miss Girl, don't do that. (laughs) The audacity of this man. He pulled into my driveway and waited there for about 20 minutes. I was too scared to wake my parents to tell them what was going on. I watched him sit there for a bit, staring at my house, and then eventually drive away. This was five years ago, and my boyfriend and I still laugh about how poorly I handled the situation. I'm not sure what this man's intent was, but it probably wasn't to wine and dine me. Stay safe out there, ladies. P.S. For some unknown reason, I have plenty of these stories, so if you ever want more, I will gladly send them in. Yes, and yes. Caroline, please send them in. Yes, and yes. There's a lot to go into here. Yeah, that's absolutely horrifying. I mean, imagine that man pulling into her driveway and sitting there for like however long and like looking at his watch and being like, I have a reservation. If she doesn't come out soon. <laughs> you have like a open table. Like yeah. I have a reservation. <laughs> we have a reservation for two at an outdoor seating. So uh, it was open online. Who in their... They're not in their right mind. I was going to say who in their right mind, but they're absolutely not. I can't even imagine being in that situation. I would have screamed and cried and hid in the closet and woken up the whole house just from the tantrum oh, that yeah. I was throwing. It, it sounds like you're, you feel like you're like going to bother your parents if you wake them up. Like I guarantee if there was ever a reason that they would want you to wake them up, it's this. this is it. Yeah. Or like they'd be mad at you for some reason, but they would not be mad because... I was like, mom and dad, we need to go to war right now. Yeah. It's not like you invited him back. Like, yeah, no. You did not do that. But yeah, that's... Whew. I, I don't really know what else to say, but oof. I yeah. had I actually had a kind of similar situation. I mean, not at all. No one followed me for 70 miles. Or stared at you at the entire time. Well, someone did stare at me for a long time, and it was very scary. I basically was in a train station, and I was walking into a store as a man was walking out of a store. And as we were, you know, passing each other, we made eye contact. And I kind of just, like, you know, gave him a quick little smile as, like, just a friendly person. And then I walked into this convenience store to like get a bag of pretzels or something, you know, because I'm going to be on a train. So I, you know, I get my pretzels and then I don't even notice that the man came back into the store. But as I go up to the register to pay, he was standing at the register, but not doing anything with the person, like the clerk or anything. Like he stood next to me and like came really close up to me and like was like, do you have a quarter? And I had my wallet open. So I was like, yeah. And so I just gave him a quarter and then I walked out and then he followed me. And then I went into the train station to like sit and wait for my train. And there was nobody else in there, but a bunch of empty seats. And he sat directly next to me and I had my headphones in and he like put his hand or he put his face next to my face and was like waving at me to get my attention. And I took my headphones out and he, I'm like, yes. And he's like, what are you listening to? I'm like, bitch. I'm like, shut the fuck up. And I literally, I said music. And I put my headphone back in (laughs) because (laughs) at that point, I am not looking to engage with anyone. I have headphones in and there's nobody in here. Clearly, I'm trying to sit alone. But he literally kept trying to like talk to me. And I got so scared because I was like 16 at this point. I was going to like visit my sister and I was terrified because I was trying to text her to like get her to call me, but she was in class. And so she didn't answer. 
And so nobody, and I didn't want to call my mom because I thought she wouldn't let me go. Also, my mom doesn't know the story. Sorry, mom. Um, so I went into the bathroom <laughs> to hide from this man. And then I went outside and he followed me outside. And then I finally went up to a, like, a woman and I was like, hey, I really like your skirt. And she like, I started talking to her and then he like booked it. Like he ran the other way because I was like with people now. Oof. It was very scary. Very scary. Sorry, that was a very creepy. long-winded story. But... Oh, that was a good one. I think I have heard your story about that before. Probably, but yeah, that's, that's like that's my similar story. Yeah, that's a situation like you need to like be aggressive and be like fuck off. Well, like, yeah, you don't owe him any conversation. It's a stranger. You don't need to be nice. You'll never see him again. For sure. And at this point in my life, I would probably just be like, leave me alone. Yeah. But also, as a woman traveling alone, it's very scary. And also, I was six. Yeah. So I was not very bold at that point. Yeah. But anyway, that's 100%. super creepy. Thank you, Caroline, for your story. Yeah. And uh, I hope we get more. Yeah, seriously. Okay. And on to the next. This next one is actually from my sister because apparently this is just a family episode, but I will allow it because it's my podcast and I make the rules. That's right. <laughs> and this in general is an incredible story that I'm also personally proud to share. So it's the cherry on top, I think. So let's get into it. Hey, hey, I love listener story episodes, but my problem is my life is pretty boring. I guess it's a good thing to not have many near-death experience stories, but I wanted to write in. <laughs> okay. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> then it hit me. My grandfather has lived an insane life and is an endless supply of stories. So these are two of his stories that he shared with me recently. It was around 1973, and my papa lived slash worked in New York City as a sanitation worker for New York City Sanitation. He and two other men were on their route for the day when a little old man flagged down the truck and yelled for help. The man on the sidewalk pointed into a window, and when my papa looked inside, he saw a young woman had been undressed and tied to a chair by two men who had broken in and were clearly getting ready to attack her. Not only that, but this woman had two young daughters in the house as well. That's horrifying. I know. I'm like, I'm trying not to make any like disgust, disgusted sounds. That's absolutely horrifying. Obviously, when my papa saw this woman, he knew he needed to do something. But when he saw her two daughters in the house as well, it sent him into a blind rage as he had two young daughters at home as well. When he said to his two co-workers that they needed to come inside with him to help the woman, they told him they didn't want to. According to my papa, this was in a really rough neighborhood, so he didn't necessarily blame them for not wanting to get involved, but that wasn't going to stop him. So even though it would be two against one, and he had no idea if they had weapons, my papa literally kicked the door down and stormed inside, quote-unquote, like Superman. <laughs> I asked him if he had a weapon on him in case he needed it, because I know the man usually has a knife on him at all times. It turns out he in fact did not have a knife at all, and said to my question in all seriousness, yeah, I had my fists. That very much checks out in my mind that he said that, because I'm pretty sure he's not afraid of anything, so it does not surprise me in the slightest that he considered his fists the only weapon that he needed. Also, the knife thing is very true because one, he collects them, and two, he clearly lived an insane life on his own, so can you blame him for carrying around a little extra protection? Yeah, I've also seen some of the collection. It's uh, impressive. It is very impressive, that's true. And I've actually always said that if there was a zombie apocalypse, the first place that I would go is to Papa's house because he is prepared. <laughs> He's loaded. He's definitely loaded. But uh, yeah, he lives across the street and I would literally walk my ass across the street and shack up with him. Hunker you know? down. <laughs> 
But anyway, as soon as he got inside, the two men scattered and he chased them down the hall of this woman's home where they jumped out of the back bedroom window and ran. After my papa had kicked down the door, neighbors had come inside as well to cover the woman and untie her. As he walked out, everyone thanked him. But after that, he said he still had a job to do. So he just got back on the sanitation truck to finish the rest of his route for the day. Okay. <laughs> that is a very grandfather thing. I was like, that is literally a line from Superman. I've got a job to do. I st- there's still I work to be done. To save. Yeah. He from didn't... poop. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That, okay. That now, was too natural. It's true. He was a sanitation worker, so he was dealing with some poop, I'm sure. But we're not going to make a poop joke at a time like this. Okay? Okay. Anyway. He didn't expect anything to come of this, since in his eyes, he just did what needed to be done. But one of the neighbors must have taken down the number of the sanitation truck and gotten his name. Because a few days later, his boss called my papa into his office and told him that he needed to report to City Hall tomorrow in a clean uniform and to bring along his family. He still didn't really know why, but he did it. And the next day, he was given a certificate of honor by Mayor Beam, who shook my papa's hand and thanked him for his bravery that day. Now, this is an incredible story on its own, but of course, my papa ended it by saying, oh yeah, and then there was that one time I pulled a man out of a burning house. Okay. So of course, I had to ask, what the hell happened there? I don't have many details, but apparently one of the homes on my papa's street at the time was completely on fire and there was a man trapped inside who couldn't walk. Because the firefighters weren't there yet and the front door was completely ablaze, my papa took it upon himself to get a ladder and climb up the side of the house to the second story bedroom where the man was and literally pull him out on his own. Wow. It does seem like Superman. Actually. I know. That's all the information I have on these stories, but it never ceases to amaze me how incredible my papa really is. It sends shivers down my spine to think about what could have happened to that woman and her daughters if my papa wasn't there to step in. But thankfully, he was there and jumped in with zero hesitation. There's no doubt in my mind that he's crazy, but in the insanity lives an amazing man who is extremely selfless and brave. Anyway, love you guys, and I hope you enjoyed Papa's story. Yeah, that was a wild one. I did love Papa's story. Papa is the most incredible person like he would literally give you the shirt off of his back and it is like it was very shocking to hear the story but it didn't really surprise me in the slightest because it makes sense that he would do this to me you know what i mean yeah i always get really mad when people see something like this happening and do nothing yeah he went so far beyond what anyone might expect you to do oh my god call 911 absolutely i mean what he did was so incredibly brave and selfless and he 100,000% risked his entire life in both cases. I mean, with this woman, obviously, like, it is insane what he did, but also with the man that he pulled out of a burning building. Like, it's insane to me. Anyway, point being, Papa is just an incredible person and he has such insane stories and i know that he's full of them but he won't tell me them for some reason (laughs) i every time i ask him to tell me these ridiculous stories like this he just follows it up with when you're older and i'm like babe i'm 24 how how old do i have to be do i have to have children before you tell me your stories (laughs) like papa clearly i want to hear about your life because what the hell (laughs) yeah the clock has been ticking i know so anyway i just I was excited to share this one because it just 
is exciting to learn about Papa's life, and also I wanted to share how incredible he is. So yeah, selfless and brave moves. Hell here. yeah! I mean, understatement, yeah. but. Anyway, shout out Papa. I love you a lot. And if your grandfather has an incredible story or grandmother, hello, send it in. <laughs> because they got long lives that they lived. Very true. Anyway, on to the next. This story comes from Anon. Hey, Franz. Hey. Hey. If you choose to share this story, please keep it anonymous as my parents are relatively private people. You got it. Also, I had sent this via Instagram, but then heard you guys say it's easier to sift through stories via email. So here it is again. I also apologize because this is very long. You're all good. All good. Thanks for the email. So this isn't your typical car accident story in that it doesn't involve more than one car. Just one car and my 55-year-old dad. On September 29th, just a few months ago, my dad was walking out of the dentist office when a car came flying around the corner of the building, cutting through the parking lot, and hit my dad as he was walking to his truck. I'll include a little diagram so it's easier to visualize, but essentially there is an apartment building that is caddy corner to the rear of the office building. The parking lots of the two buildings meet in the rear, but are separated by grass. This young woman illegally cut across the grass coming from the apartment building and flew around the corner of the office building in the wrong lane. I don't know the exact speed she was going, but the witness estimated about 25 to 30 miles per hour. My dad was walking at a diagonal to this truck, so she hit him straight on. He flew up onto the hood of the car, cracked the windshield with his head, and rolled off the car onto the ground, taking one of the side view mirrors with him. Ooh, In true, painful. Very painful. In true dad fashion, the first person he called was my mom and not 911. No, dad. <laughs> like, my mom called 911 for him. It was a whole thing. It sounds like a whole thing. <laughs> totally. Fortunately, a witness also called. The second person he called was his work partner. Dad! So again, this man needs to check his priorities. Anyways, upon arriving to the emergency room, we learned the extent of his injuries. Shockingly, he did not have a concussion. We knew he was hard-headed. <laughs> no internal bleeding and no spine or neck injuries. The only damage, besides psychological, was from the knees down. He's 6'2", and the car was a sedan. His lower left leg was shattered and is now composed of mainly rods, plates, and screws. His lower right leg was damaged at the knee, ankle, and foot, but I believe the shin bones were intact. Initially, they weren't sure how soon they could get him into surgery because of the swelling and inflammation from it being such a traumatic injury, but he was in surgery 24 hours after the incident. The surgery itself took about 6-7 to seven hours. He was in the hospital for 2 weeks. The initial prognosis was that he would be able to start putting weight on the less damaged leg starting in January, but now this man is walking and back to work full-time. Holy shit, Dad. Today is January 13th. His motivation, dedication to therapy, and commitment to getting better is so impressive to me. I wish that level of motivation was genetic. Amen. <laughs> Anyways, the person who hit him is in jail. Her license and inspection were expired at the time of the accident, and she also has a history with the law. As for legal stuff, nothing came of it because she's young and broke. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. These stories you share never cease to fascinate me. The resiliency of some of these people is just jaw-dropping. <laughs> jaw-dropping. Yeah, that's crazy. It sounds like it sounds like you weren't able to get any of the medical bills paid for, though. That sucks. Yeah, that probably... I mean, I don't know. Maybe insurance covered it because it's... I would hope so. Totally you know? not his I mean, fault. 
Yeah, I mean, you're just like walking across a parking lot and your life changes in an instant like this. Yeah. The injuries sound not great, but I mean, considering is very lucky. Yeah, no, he's back to work full time. That's great. You know, that's quick turnaround. The recovery time on that man is astounding. Yeah, he does not fuck around. But yeah, that's that's good. Thank you very much for sending that in. All right, next one. Hey, guys. My name is Mariah. I'm a huge fan and I get excited every time a new podcast is released. Thank you. It helps me get through the workday listening to y'all. When I was listening to the last listener stories, Alex mentioned the best ghost stories are the ones where a loved one comes back to visit, and I instantly got excited and decided to write this. So about a year ago, I was living with my aunt, and upstairs where I stayed, there was a shadow box. In the shadow box, there are pictures and little knickknacks of things that we placed in there for my baby cousin who passed away in his sleep from a seizure at the age of three. I'm so sorry for your loss. That's so horrifying. That's rough. He was diagnosed with epilepsy and HIE. I wasn't able to attend his funeral because I was leaving for Canada the same day. I do regret not going, but I do believe he is looking over me. I wanted to give you a little background information so it would make sense. So one night, I was upstairs by myself in the loft where the shadow box is, and I was playing Fortnite. LOL. It was dark, and the only light that was on was the TV light. Out of the corner of my eye, I see a little kid about three feet standing in front of the shadow box. I got kind of nervous and scared for a minute and looked away, but when I looked back, it was gone. I started crying and smiling because I had a feeling it was him. It's been almost a year later and I haven't seen him again, but I also don't live with my aunt anymore. I feel like it was the last goodbye and I needed that. Thank you for letting me tell my ghost story. Hopefully y'all are able to read my typing and not and whatnot, because I honestly suck at it. Reasons why I haven't gone to college yet, lol. Anyways, love y'all and Merry Christmas, Mariah. Oh, sorry for not getting to this earlier. Merry Christmas, Mariah. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah, those are my favorite ones where you feel like it's kind of like a a last goodbye, but you still get to see them. Or like a quick check-in. Yeah, that too. Also, your email is fine. Oh yeah, for sure. I hope you had a great holiday, and thank you for your story. Write in more if you have them. Okay, on to our final story. From... Penelope. Penelope. Hey, Steph and Alex. I have no idea when you're planning on doing more listener stories, but when you do, I have one that you might be interested in. I love listening to your podcasts, and one of them reminded me of a story my grandma told me when I was about 15 about a near-death experience she had. It's a little short, and I will be telling it in my grandma's perspective. Her name is Susan. This story takes place in... Salt Lake City, Utah, summer. Susan, in summer, Salt Lake City. Shout out, Susan. Enter right. Shout (laughs) out, Susan. As I was window shopping in the local mall, I heard the announcement that the mall was closing, so I made my way out. While walking through the almost empty mall, I spotted a man looking at me. He was about average height, brunette, and white. I also noticed that he had a limp and casts on his leg. I simply ignored it and moved on. After I made my way to the parking lot, I spotted the man again trying to get his things in his car and he asked me if I could help. I remember it was only his leg that was hurt and that it didn't seem like he would need help with that, so I told him to put some down and load the rest one at a time. (laughs) He yelled, thank you, and I walked away. Later on, I was watching the news with my friends and saw a face I recognized. He was about average height, brunette, and white. The news anchor had said that his name was Theodore Robert Bundy, otherwise known as Ted Bundy. My mind started racing, and I wondered what would have happened if I had helped that man in his car. Wow. Yeah. 
How about a brush with Ted Bundy? Yeah. To, to end it. To end it off. Yeah, that is so scary. Can't even imagine like how surreal as you slowly start to realize after watching the news. Yeah. I wonder at what point this was in his like rampage. It must have been midway, right? Because he started in on the west coast and then moved east, right? Yeah. So people probably knew about him. Yeah. And he was in the middle of it. Yeah. But also shout out to shout. Susan for calling him on his bullshit and being like, hey, do it one at a time, bozo. Dumb like, bitch. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm not going to help your ass. Yeah, I love that from her. Yeah, that's incredible. Because that, I feel like, is a very... I mean, I feel like I struggle... I mean, I'm definitely getting better at it, but I struggle with, like, where to draw the line at politeness and stuff like that. So if someone with, like, a cast was like, hey, can you help me? Oh, I totally would have done it. I feel like it might be hard to say no, which is why it was such a good tactic and why he lured so many women into his grasp was because he was very manipulative. Yeah, I mean, you know, also just like a nice person would do that. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, trust your gut. Don't let a man fool you. Don't let a woman fool you either. (laughs) You know (laughs) what I'm saying. Don't let Ted Bundy fool you. True. Also, it's like so annoying to me when people ask for help for things that they can easily do themselves. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's what it was for her. But yeah, I'm glad that she didn't. Oh my God, yeah. I feel like I've heard so many stories like this where people have had like a brush with Ted Bundy and it's always so chilling, you know, to be like, oh yeah, I saw him here and I got a drink at the bar and he was talking me up and I almost left with him, but then something happened and I, you know, didn't end up going. And then I saw his face on the news a couple months later and it was Ted Bundy. Yeah, because like the interactions that you always have are like completely normal. It's just a boring story until you hear the name. Exactly. Yeah. And he was so manipulative and like charming. That was his whole thing was he was like attractive and like charming and shit like that. So of course he lured a bunch of young women. So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to end on that one because I was like, Ted yeah, Bundy. That noise is how we all feel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whew. But anyway, thank you guys so much for your stories. And if you have one and you haven't sent in a story, or if you have sent in a story, send in another one. Send them all. (laughs) Yeah. What is your good thing this week? What is my good thing? I had it and I forget. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. My good thing this week is that I got a new desk chair, which I'm currently sitting in. Yeah. And it's very nice and much better than the kitchen chair I've been sitting on for work for almost two years. Yeah. It's a nice chair. It's very nice. And yeah, now maybe I'll have less back problems. Yeah, usually you work from home, but when you went into the office the other day and I got to sit in your desk chair while you were gone, I was like, ooh, yeah. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to the office tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay, see ya. (laughs) But then I got to sit in your chair, so it was great. There you go. (laughs) That's my good thing. My good thing is that the new season of Euphoria is actively happening and I'm very much enjoying it. It's like so intense this season. And they've said that. They're like, oh yeah, this season's going to be way more intense, which it shows. We're only on episode two and it really shows. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, although I was on TikTok the other day and I saw these two girls who are actually teenagers recreate one of the scenes from the first episode and seeing it done, like pretty much shot by shot, like exactly the same, but with teenagers, like actual teenagers and not like 30 year olds pretending to be teenagers was just jarring. Like, yeah, 
I was like, wait, these are supposed to be children. Like, oh God, Eesh. it makes it so much worse. Yeah, but the opening scene for that first episode in the season is nuts. Yeah. I, because I I didn't see season one and then you were just watching it and I forget what I was doing, but I saw it out of the corner of my eye and I was like, I need to watch this show. Yeah. Like, this is amazing. It's such a good show. But anyway, I'm very happy that the second season is actively happening and I look forward to it every week. So that's my good thing. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. We have really exciting things coming up in the next couple weeks. So stay tuned. Yeah, just keep an eye keep out. Keep an eye out. And if you'd like to keep track of all the pictures we post, follow the stories we talk about, check out not today underscore podcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival you'd like to send to us, send it to nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.